0: Juggling motherhood and modern day life
1: can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you, your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson, and I'm your host, transformational coach and mom who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals, and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling,
0: and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, Supporting Hardworking Mums to Stress Less and Live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book you can do so at www.marinopearson.com slash
1: order. So on today's show I have decided to interview the beautiful Dave Ellery. Dave is one of the founders of freedomthinking.co.uk and was the first person in the UK to deliver the three principles in the UK prison system. He has worked with charities that help prison inmates find a constructive way forward, and has worked with hospital staff, psychologists, school children, and teachers in Nepal in the wake of the 2016 earthquakes. He has spoken to many organizations globally, from charities for physically injured refugees to eating disorder clinics. And he has spoken to a diverse range of communities in many countries. He speaks at conferences in the UK and abroad and works with people with severe mental health diagnosis through to people who are simply wishing to have a richer, fulfilling, connected experience of life. And I reached out to him because anger is one of those emotions that... It's quite a taboo subject and one that I hadn't really sort of touched on in these last episodes. His story is really inspirational and brings to light how it's possible for us to go from being a very angry person to one that is full of love and peace. We explored this idea that anger is a bad feeling to have and also explored his story around how he now experiences his life versus how he used to. So if you are afraid of anger, if you are experiencing it from other people, if you have recognized that you have angry outbursts and you just want to hear a story of hope and how it's actually possible to shift and change this into something more constructive and generative, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy.
0: So welcome everybody. On a today's show, I have the beautiful Dave Ellery. Is that how I pronounce your surname? Hopefully, yes.
2: (laughs) Nobody entirely knows, but it's a good effort, so that'll do, yeah. (laughs) Thank you.
0: So I reached out to Jen, his partner, and um, we were talking, and she suggested I speak to Dave. And so I was like, okay, fine. I didn't know Dave at all. And then um, the topic of anger came about, and I was like, actually, that's a really great topic. Uh, It's a topic that I haven't really focused on during this podcast uh, season. And so we thought we'd bring this into into the fray and have a good old rummage and exploration around the subjects. And I know that Dave's had some insight into anger and how it used to be and how it is for him today. So um, that's why I brought him onto the show. And I'm hoping that it's it'll be enlightening for everybody that uh, listens to it. So welcome, Dave.
2: Thank you, Marina.
0: You're very welcome. So, Dave, how did it used to be for you? Because um, anger was, was pretty prominent in your life, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, anger was quite often my, my go-to emotion. I'd, um, when I was younger, at school, I remember I was quite a bit of a late developer. I mean, at school, I would always look up to the bigger lads, and want to be more like them, and I don't know. I think I think deeply ingrained into my belief system from quite a young age came this idea that I wanted to be hard, like one of the big boys. And I wasn't, you know, until I was, till it was about nineteen. I was six foot tall, and eleven stone, so I was very tall and thin. And. Um, no, probably till I was about about seventeen, eighteen. I was very tall and thin, and I got I got quite heavily involved in in drugs because again, it's part of the hard lad scene and the bad lad scene, and just trying to fit in, I suppose, and trying to feel safe. When I reflect, when I reflect back now, it was it was a young man trying to um, trying to feel safe in the world. And I always got the impression that the hard lads were safe because nobody would go near them. Mm. And so it wasn't long before I was hitting the gym, continuing with the drugs, um, failing college courses, ending up in prison for violence. Um, long story short, it was, it was a tricky few years. Uh, following the uh, following, my failing of the college course, prison, a um, lot of drink, heavy times. I remember looking. I remember at the time thinking, "I've just finished a four-year college course. I've come out with absolutely nothing. The only person that came out of the course with nothing was myself." And uh, it was ecology, something that I was really good at: plants and animals, wildlife, the environment something I was really good at but yeah, I, I failed it because I just I got too heavily involved in drugs and my time was preoccupied taking its it uh, sourcing it and um, all the usual bullshit that goes along with it so yeah um, anger was a thing like a bit of a go to emotion really where I found like once I'd been to the gym a bit and I'd got myself a bit bigger i got myself up to about 15 stone and when I look back at photographs, I was I was built like a tank. But in my mind, I was still a very small man. Mm. Uh, still, the, the bulk never overcame the fear. The thing that I thought would keep me safe was the, the building up of myself, the ability to intimidate people. And I thought that along with that would come safety and peace of mind. All along, all, all I was looking for was that. Mm. And uh, it never came it never came, so inevitably, I would find myself in scrapes and scraps every every week, and um, wondered why I couldn't go out for a night out without getting into trouble, uh, getting into fights and arguments and stuff. and yeah, again, long story short, ended up becoming a tree surgeon which was something that I I kind of fell into. It was a job that I looked around and me being me at that age, at the age of 21, I was like, well, I want money. I want to be big. I want to look tough. I want to be manly. Chainsaws, climbing trees. I'll get you loads of women. It will make you look attractive and all, all all this nonsense. Before I knew it, I was in the tree surgery game and, it was it was something that actually managed to get me off drugs because I ended up working on the railway tracks and but all along I, I kind of had this impending doom within my mind of you are going back to prison you're an angry man you're a, a chronic depressive um, a deeply unhappy man who had who had everything on the outside I had my own home my beautiful wife. Uh, I, had, um, I lived in the Lake District, I live in the Lake District, and fit, strong, I had everything I needed. But within myself, there was this dissatisfaction. And it was only, it was when I got reached the age of, um, I, think it was, I think it was 32, when I started, 30, 31, my apologies, when I started entering into a real sense of, depression and this, this, was a, this was something that really took me down and I, I just I started planning suicide and um, was drinking an awful lot. I ended up splitting with my wife, I quit my tree surgery business, uh, which I was self-employed at for a lot of years. I, I sacked that off and I ended up going to live on my own. I met another woman. And my life got really, really messy, and I've seen therapists and I've seen psychologists and they were all trying to dig in deep and figure out where Dave's gone wrong, where was it Dave went wrong and it's funny and, and deep down within myself, I had this hope that they would find something that would help me. but also deep down within myself, I knew that it was a futile search. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I just I just knew it was a futile search. Um, and at the age of 33, thankfully, by what I can only describe as a miracle, I was introduced to the, the principles. And the moment I heard it, I knew I was onto something that what I was being introduced to was something that I could relate to. It was like there was this, I remember the, the lady who introduced me to was a lady called Sue Hugenson, one of my best friends to this day. <coughs> And um, the moment she started to speak to me about it, I remember bursting into tears. And she said, "What are you crying for?" I said, "Because I know what you're speaking about." I said, "I think you're talking about God." I said some people call it God. I said, "I call it nature." I said, "I know what you're talking about." And um, and with that, she 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 got me. She got me interested. It took me nine weeks before I actually had uh, gained insight into it, before I had a, a revelation that shattered my, my illusion of life that completely transformed the world, transformed my world. And it was from that moment on that my life has never been the same. And so that's now what I, I've stopped doing tree work a few years ago now and that's what I now dedicate my life to doing is helping people find this within themselves because it, it is in no other place. And this thing that everybody is searching for, the thing that will heal everything within a being, within the world, is, lies at the heart of our very being. And I look back at my life now and I look back at the therapy that I underwent to try and help me overcome the anger. I mean, my anger was such that it's where I live in the Lake District, we have narrow lanes and people would, if people didn't wave to me to say thank you as they passed, I'd have my van ready in reverse and I would reverse off and I'd I'd block them off. And then I'd get out of my car and um, I'd open up their door and I'd, I'd grab them and I would lean in their car and I would threaten them and scream at them, where's your effing manners? Only to go back into my own car and burst into tears because I knew this wasn't the way to live life. I knew there was something fundamentally amiss with Dave. And it was something I was terrified of. I mean, I remember sitting on a psychology sofa and saying, I am the scariest human being I've ever met. And I cannot leave me. I will not I can't I can't step away from myself. I can't leave me anywhere. I am unpredictable. I am violent. I'm violent to other people. I'm violent to myself. I'm aggressive. I'm quick to temper. I <clears throat> was a nightmare.
0: And I can imagine that with Thanks. all of that No, no, no. I it's not like I can imagine that. It's more okay. like I can imagine that knowing that and understanding that there must have been so much shame and blame and even, like, on top of all of the anger that you were feeling was this anger towards yourself yeah. and all of that, like, judgment around what a shitty-ass person I am and, you know, as you were saying, like, I'm assuming, did, did that sort of occur as well?
2: Probably, yeah. I mean, guilt was something I carried an awful lot. Um, I lived in the emotional, in the, the emotional darkness of the spectrum of reality. Really, it was, it was a, yeah. I carried shame, guilt, hatred, judgment. I was judgmental of other cultures. I was judgmental of everybody. I was judgmental of myself. I was, yeah, I was a pretty lost boy. <laughs> I was a pretty lost fella. Uh, not somebody who I look back and I have, I have no. It, it's it's bizarre when I look back. It, there is no connection to that to that um, expression of thought in that moment or that that, that, that beating. That, there there's no connection to it. There's, it doesn't exist. It's just a, it's just a complete. Uh, I have no connection to it. It's such a bizarre thing. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, I get it. Like, um, I used to take drugs and drink a lot and all sorts of other weird and wonderful things that I used to experience. And there's such a, it's like, who was that person? I have no idea. But I also understand the experience of why people do what they do when it comes to those sorts of behaviours. How did it affect your relationships?
2: Um, I can't imagine I was much fun to be around. Uh, I remember remember one of my hockey friends saying to me, "I I was wanting you to be godfather to my child. He said, but you're too unpredictable. He said, but deep down within you, Dave, I know there's a good man. I think that pretty much summed me up, that little statement after a game of hockey, sat around a beer, having a beer with the lads. Like, I think deep down within with everybody, there's a there's beauty. And I knew it was there within me, it just wouldn't show itself. My family, we were we were forever in arguments. Uh, Myself and my wife at the time, Rach, we didn't really argue actually. Rachel was about the only person that I could kind of be around and not argue with. We, we argued very little, but when it came to anybody else, yeah, yeah it's on. But yeah, my family, my, like people around me, strangers. Yeah.
0: I guess there's an element of anger that we all experience, right? I mean, as part of... That's a, that's actually a, a, an interesting question, or at least I'm I think it's an interesting question. <laughs> I'm not gonna say everybody else is interesting. But um in terms of the human range of emotions that we have, I mean sadness, anger, shame, blame, um, guilt. I mean, they're all part of being human and and experiencing that on a just having those those feelings, right? And um Because often we want to make those feelings wrong. And I'm curious about that. Like, what's your take on it? So, yes, you were living most of your time in that space of anger. But I live in a culture in Spain where anger, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with having anger here in this country. Everybody, everybody's (laughs) guts are. And I don't even know if, and it's funny because on a cultural take as a Brit, I deem as being angry, they deem as being passionate, right? So I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about how we then interpret that those, those feelings that we have and, and blame and, and, and want to get rid of them. And anyway, I, I, just, I just wanted to ask you around that.
2: There's never been a time when I have experienced any form of fear-based emotion when I haven't had it, something to blame it on, mm. so whether I, when I mean when I'm talking about that, I, I mean <coughs> I'll, 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 t- I'll take a couple of steps. Before I was want to come back a little bit and just talk a bit about what it was that kind of helped me see life different. And it was it was listening to Sue and, uh, and Sydney Banks. I'm sure listeners are familiar with Sidney banks it was when I listened to Sid one day and I listened to him talk about thought and consciousness mind and I went for a walk I wasn't planning on any of this at this point actually I was planning on uh, topping myself it was I was going back on antidepressants I've been listening to sue for a few weeks and I it's not working Sid. So.
0: So, as I was saying, in terms of, um, you know, we tend to want to um, judge feelings like anger and blame and guilt and violence. We want. We tend to. We tend to want to judge those feelings but yet at the same time they're part of the human spectrum right of feelings that we have um so I know that that from what I've understood so far is is that you know we can have feelings on both ends of the spectrum of outside in when we blame something or in the inside out when you're just feeling angry for no reason you're just feeling angry or you're just feeling guilt for no reason you're just feeling um but I'd love your take on this in terms of what your thoughts are around it. Because of course I live in a country where anger um, is rife in terms of like how they express themselves. I live in Spain. So to them, it's just like, Oh, well, yeah, it's done. Like they just get hot headed, It's done. Move on. There's, there's really no big deal about it. And so for me coming from an English culture and I'm, um, I'm currently in a partnership with, with a Spanish man. To me, it feels like I'm being right attacked. And he's just like expressing his passion. And I'm like, no, I felt really attacked. You attacked me. Because well, where, I, where I come from, you don't talk to people like this. So I'm just curious. Um, what's your take on that?
2: I do know my life is considerably nicer without <laughs> anger being the prime <laughs> prominent emotion. Cool. <laughs> I, I do know my life is a lot nicer. I also know my life got a lot simpler. Mm. I know that. Um, yeah, I am. I'm thankful not to experience anger like what I used to. I'm not saying I don't experience the emotion, but yeah, it's it, it's such an interesting thing. Now, I mean, to to myself before. I woke up, I call it an awakening, a a wake-up or whatever you want to call it, because I used to describe it as my birthday. For a while afterwards, I used to describe it as my birthday, the day I started to truly live. The day I I was 33, the day I actually felt like I woke up to life and I got filled with love and understanding and knowledge that I'm eternally thankful for. This was the thing that, that kind of took away neutralised or um, disposed of the old Dave. When, it, when, it, when, I, when I woke up to that, it was like yeah, I could see clearly, I, I, got to, I got to see clearly the nature of life. I got to see clearly the nature of reality. It was, there you go, there you go, there it is. And after that, it, it, became, it became really obvious that all the kind of negative fear-based emotions, your jealousy, your anger, your guilt, your whatever, depression... Anxiety, worry, all these kind of what people would label as being negative and the things that everybody are terrified of are emotions based in the idea of an external reality and time, so worry, anxiety, you know they are always a sort of future based thing they're always based in this notion that somewhere on the planet, somewhere in existence, is a future. And it's like guilt and all that kind of stuff are all kind of based in the the idea that there is a past. Somehow holding the power over this being's experience. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever get angry with people when they weren't doing what I thought they should. I get angry with a scenario when it wasn't going like how I thought it should. Mm -hmm. And then I'd get angry. It was always a, a victim Mentality—it's exhausting. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point for myself where I was—I started getting like Tourette's-like symptoms, physical tics, facial tics. (laughs) My outbursts of language were entertaining to my friends, catastrophic for me. But yeah, it was—it was always based in this idea of an external reality, as though there was something I was experiencing outside of consciousness. But seeing this, seeing this moment of internalized, I can't, I can't find words to describe it, but that, mo- that moment of, of uh, insight, of revelation, it just it, it, it flipped the world on its head. And I remember the, I was so, so afraid of the world. I was so afraid of life. I mean, this is why I was a hard man. I was a hard man, not because I was confident. These lads that were walking around being big, tough, going to the gym, overconfident, overzealous, hard men, they weren't tough within. I see them. I've been into prison speaking uh, numerous, numerous times, and I speak to prisoners about this. I've spent time in prison myself, you know, and I've spent time with hard men. I always used to think you were safe if you were hard, but no, you are if you need to be hard, you are scared. And so it was it was seeing this kind of I could only the, the overriding emotion in this moment was love. It was this pure unconditional love and excitement for life itself. And it was it was something I was terrified of to begin with after for the following few days. I was like, what the fuck's this? <laughs> I've never experienced this so there was this kind of partial excitement and there was this well, there was this deep knowing and I think I was more scared it was going to leave which inevitably that experience does many people come across this and they, they have this massive shift in awareness and their lives change and they walk around in a bubble of love for, and they're so afraid of it to go on but that's when you really start to kind of grow oh yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: oh yeah
2: yeah and it, it, it's it's then that you you start to become curious about life you start to see with a bigger picture you start to I often like it I've got a drone and a bit of a geek but I like if I hover my drone 6 inches off the ground that's where I used to live narrow minded short-visioned short-fused but when, when I take my drone up to, like, legally I can only take it to 120 metres or 120 metres, you get a far bigger picture, you know, and you start to find yourself in that greater picture of life, in that greater awareness. And you, before, before you know it, you, you find that all these emotions that you, you kind of were so afraid of kind of take a bit of a back seat and you start to find more awe for life more inspiration, more gratitude, more um, love, understanding. And, and you start to get a sense of what it is to feel. When you, when you start to wake up to, to the nature of what life truly is, you start to get this realization that it is a singular thing. That all in my, I, I often quite liken it to a spring. We have this spring high on a mountainside. And bubbling out of the ground comes this spring. Now, this spring is, I was, I don't, think, anyway, I don't like this metaphor. My sister was like, I love this metaphor, so I'll, I'll just say it. anyway. But where I live in the Lake District, there's, a, there's three bodies of water Buttermilk, Crummock Water, and Lowes Water. And people go and visit these lakes. But these lakes are like events along the river because each lake is connected by a river. And along this river, you've got waterfalls, you've got rapids, you've got um, big still calm patches, glades of water, and You've got, you've got um, ripples, you've got eddies, and you've got these lakes. And, and everybody goes and visits the events. They go, let's go see the waterfall. Let's go and see the, the lake. Let's go and see this lake. It's called go chroma now. And people go and visit the lakes. And they, they go and visit the events. And they, they, they marvel at the events, the lakes, the waterfalls, the, uh, the kind of characteristics, there, the expressions of the water. And we go and we name them and we separate them and we create everything as separate. Oh, it's Lowe's water. That's crummock water. That's, that's Buttermere, and they're labelled different on maps. And everybody has their favourite. Oh, I really love Buttermere because it's got the backdrop of um, of um, haystacks and all that kind of stuff. It's got the pine trees on it. I love that. Uh, Lowe's water is probably my least favourite. So you've got these events where people kind of go along and go, "Oh yeah, I love that one. I don't like that. That's all right." But all along, it was all created from a, a spring on the side of uh, haystacks. There's a spring on the high side of haystacks from which all these events are born. Each lake is, is simply a, a pooling of the water that is born on the side of haystacks. And I, 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 liken, I liken all experience to be like that. It's like from within ourselves, it's like this spring from which all events that we experience take place. And I'm not saying things don't exist in the world, but the expression of it that we get to encounter as our life, as our being, our, our feeling states, as our reality, is, is, is all born from the same spring, consciousness. This consciousness state that is all things, that is immeasurable by science. So it's been overlooked. It's, uh, it's been ignored by science as consciousness. It's never been a, a, a studyable science. It never will be a studyable science. And so we, we go in search and we go and examine the events. When we, when we start to recognize that all experience is simply born from the same place, you start to recognize that any kind of form of labeling it of being negative or positive is a, is a duality. And in that singular birthplace, there is no duality because you cannot have duality two or more in, in one. And so when people start to wake up to this within themselves and they start to wake up and they realise that everything is a singular event and it is within ourselves that this is taking place. It's within everything that it's taking place, everything. And one of the things that hit me the hardest from that day, or that, well, the thing that kind of was the catalyst to, to seeing what I got to recognise in that moment was I saw a jackdaw, a crow, and it looked at me. And it was in that moment where my life just this thing event took place but on reflection it was i could describe it as being the realization that the jackdaw was a conscious state that thinks and it was in that that the principles kind of came alive point of the principles came alive when i realized that this is a this is a far bigger thing than trying to fix ourselves because there is nothing to fix there is just the illusion of broken and so all the attempts to try and fix myself try and fix my anger had been literally like placing logs on a fire that i was trying to extinguish and this fire turned into a bonfire and this this why i became so afraid of this fire but it was only it was only when I, I had that realization into the nature of creation what is creation all creations an illusion all of things uh, a, a, a vibration of what people call and what science calls energy. We go, I understand that. So everything's, everything's energy. You, what is energy? You know, we, we start to wake up and we realize that everything's a divine mystery. That when people wake up to to this within themselves, they realize that they they can't know it with the intellect. Because the intellect is pure creation. But what we're talking about here is creator. Creation can never see creator. Creation is always going to be a subjective singular point, but the creator is the creator of all. And so this is, this is the thing that where people, where I find like if people really want to start to find freedom in life, they need to stop looking at their problems as problems. Because the problem isn't the problem, the thing that we're trying to overcome. I was always trying to overcome anger. That was never the problem. My problem was I was fast asleep. I had so little regard for the magic of life. I had never questioned life. I would never que- I One of the first things I like to ask people who come and work with Jenny and I is, what's life? What is it to be alive? What is this existence stuff? Human beings didn't invent human beings. Human beings didn't invent consciousness. Human beings did not invent thought. What is it to be alive? And quite often, every single time, actually, I've had their response, I don't know. And I find that, and I, I find that, such an interesting thing that in this space of, I don't know. We think we know something about life itself. We think we know who we are. We try, We think we know what is right, what is wrong. All this stuff, and all this stuff is the stuff that gets us into trouble. It's called the belief system, it's called the intellect, called the ego. And so in Buddhism and in Hinduism, I know that they say that in order to find peace, you must go within and you must see past the ego. So people then set off on this mad rampage to try and see past the ego. But what's trying to see past the ego? It's ego. So there you go, you've got the intellect trying to see past itself. You've got the belief system. Believing it needs to see past itself. Yet another belief, you've got ego trying to see past the ego and it, it, it never works. all along, that was always the illusion that I suffered, was this illusion of ego. And it is the only thing that caused suffering in in anybody's life. It can seem like quite a bitter pill to swallow, can't it? Uh, Recently, um, know when you were
0: saying about the problems... The interesting question is to understand what even creates the capacity for us to even be aware that there is a problem and where we think the experience is actually really coming from. Because often we, we overlook, and that's all that's ever going on, is this. we just overlook where our experience is coming
2: from. It's, it, is it, is, it is a singular thing. It's like, in this world, in our life, it gets so complex. You know, I, you and I, you and I have been brought up in a in the Western world, which is which has got massive. I'd say this. I'll say it, it's got massive controlled religions, religions that have kind of worked for a few, and in in doing so, it's kind of taken away the, the magic of messages that have been, the messages have been removed, and what's been left is a is a system of. The ability to control masses by kings over the years, and and so in doing so, as we start to come into the into like the twenty, I mean the twenty first century. I can't remember. But I forget how it works. Always want twenty first century now. Aren't we? <laughs> um, but yeah, we? think we're a century ahead. I can't remember, but we know it. It doesn't sit right, you know this, and so naturally the churches are suffering the consequences of of that now. But we've then sadly we've science has become the predominant god, and we've lived in this state of being where we measure, we measure, and as we measure, we create distance, which is a separation, which is an over here and an over there. Which again, we we separate things, and in, in our scientific pursuits, we have categorized, named, separated. We have come to conclusions that we know something, and this to me has been. Useful on one hand, in order to produce things in the world, but at the same time, it's created separation. It's created confusion, and it's negated spirit. You know, the very thing that observes the experiment uh, within the the um, within the the scientist is the, is a conscious state that thinks. And, of course, the the conscious state that thinks creates the reality that that the the scientist encounters. And so we we now live in in this state of almost stalemate where we've come to this point where we go, Newton didn't have it. Newton had certain kind of things where he understood stuff, and we've got to this kind of stalemate because science en masse is... Is rebelling against spirit, is rebelling against God. And I often think, I often say, like, all science is a study of God. That's the only thing that can ever be studied is is this creative source. And so until we bring in back into this, into our into our conversation and start to get get interested in what is this source, it'll be something that can never be studied. Because the only thing we can ever study is creation, which is why psychologists study thoughts, which is why psychologists study feelings, which is why psychologists study uh, experiences. But these are all creations. So in the same way as... A scientist who is studying the world can never have a full picture until they bring into into their awareness or bring into the conversation the power that creates, neither can psychology. And I feel like this is where Sid's message really has this transformational um, thing that, that, that it has to offer is because all of a sudden you stop looking at what is created and you start becoming curious in what's creating and it, it, you get back to the spring you get back to the ground zero because like you were just saying as you, as you as you find that you find this you find that there is ultimately nothing to fear in life there is ultimately nothing to fear everything that is created is all born of one thing it just creates the illusion of separation it creates the illusion of self it creates the illusion of ego it creates the illusion of somebody to suffer and this is the power of thought belief system intellect and so this is the I remember speaking to Jenny not so long ago I was like what was it that really hit you when you woke up she said what really hit me when I woke up was there was nothing to fear and I said yeah that's exactly what I experienced there's nothing in this lifetime to fear it's all a play of consciousness and the thing is if you look at the world we've got angry people in power in a lot of countries do you know what I mean but what are these angry people they're fearful scared human beings they are desperate to try and be somewhere. They're desperate to try and do something. And it's all built from lack of peace of mind. It's all built from fear. And so as a consequence of that, we, we face a world where well, Jenny and I have been asked to go and do some work out in the Congo to work with tribal and religious leaders to try and bring them around to have a sit down, have a conversation and have a conversation about the nature of life. So we can start to realize that the only thing that creates the illusion of an enemy is a thought. No enemy exists in the world without thought being the, the um, creative source of the illusion of an enemy. And so we've been asked to go out and, and have a conversation around that. And we've, we've spoken in many parts of the world. I remember we went to a soup kitchen in South Africa where there was 300 homeless people and our friend, as we left, our friend burst into tears. She's a very rich Jewish lady in South Africa, and a friend burst into tears and she said, "The problem's too big." I "Said what do you mean the problem's too big?" She said, "Look, there's three hundred people here. Should it's scratching the? It's just the tip of the iceberg of the homelessness in Cape Town." We said, "No, the problem isn't too big. The problem's really small. The problem's so simple." I said, "Yeah, it looks difficult if we need to um, address economical." economic bias, you know, um, colour bias, uh, work, housing, all this stuff, land, yeah, yeah, then it looks really complex. But if you take into consideration that the moment South Africans change their minds about one another, the moment South Africans are prepared to drop their beliefs about one another, their country will change, their country will change. The only thing that holds... Your country of South Africa in a state of paralysis as it sits right now, and these problems is because of the belief system people carry around. So when people's thinking changes, so will the state of, so will the country of Africa, South Africa, and this is the same for not just countries, but it's the same for it's the same for us. If we are prepared, if we are prepared to look in this direction and and, and consider. What is it? What is life? What is this? It's a deep question. What is this life? When we stop hovering the drone six inches off the ground and focusing on all the problems and start to come up and take a look and look with a bigger picture, what is going on? What is truly going on here? And we start to wake up to it, it's all a divine mystery. Nobody can explain how things come into being because the moment we try and explain it, we're in creation. to thought. We're in the intellect. Nobody can explain it, but what we have is this divine going on that looks like we know something about it. And it's in that that all our troubles start. The moment we think we know something, I'm this kind of person, they're that kind of person. I know that that was the thing that crippled my life for so many years. But I know that freedom came the moment I realized it was all an illusion. Thank you for that, Dave.
0: Um, I can really resonate with with what you've just said and just thinking about um, an an insight I had a couple of days ago which has made such a profound difference to me already where anger's been a big topic for me in my life and especially um, around people who have been
2: angry. what's wrong with yeah.
0: Uh, who have been angry or or directed their anger towards me. Yeah. And I've always felt a victim of it, afraid of it. That's something um I don't want to be around or um can't deal with. And um massive fear actually. And um suddenly the other day I realised that um I've never really actually been a victim to it. I've only ever th- the the story is is what I've been a victim to. Um that's been huge for me to see. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, um, they can just deal with their life in the way that they want to, but it's got nothing to do with me. And the way I feel has got nothing to do with what they're experiencing either. So thank God for that. <laughs> Amen.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. When you see this within yourself, you see it within others. And it's like, well, that has to be the ground zero for acceptance, mm. for forgiveness.
0: Well, what I saw is actually there's nothing to forgive. Um, there's actually nothing to forgive. There's just experience
2: yeah. in the moment. <laughs> so we, we, we had, a, you're exactly right. We had this young lady who worked with us in South Africa, in the township, of, just outside of Kailinche. And she'd had her mobile phone stolen. My neighbor had come round and she'd come into a house, she'd taken a mobile phone and this this young girl, she she went down there. I loved this girl. She was she was properly properly cool. And um she the first we sat down the first day of our training and and uh she just looked like she wanted to kill us. <laughs> I can only really say that. She looked really friggin' pissed off. <laughs> Why am I here? Why am I here? But she said she we came, she came back the next day and we like, has anybody had any insights? And the, the mates were nudging, not saying, it, saying, she's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I said, right. I said, you don't have to say it from the group. I said, but you you do have to say it. You have to tell me at lunchtime. And I remember this, I took this girl to one side and I said, what was it? She said, well, a few days ago, she said, my neighbor came around. She said, she came into my house and she stole my phone. She said, I know where I left my phone. It was on, it was on, it was in the kitchen. And she said, when she left, the phone had gone. She said, so I stormed down her house and I banged on the door and I walked in, she said, and I pushed her and I shouted at her husband who came through and I was pushing him, I was pushing him. She said, I was pushing him. I was calling him all the names under the sun. She said, I wanted him to beat me. She said, I wanted him to beat me so badly I could go to the police and they would take this seriously. And she said, and I stormed through into the into the um, sitting room where her brother was fixing my phone. She said, my phone wasn't broken. And she said, she, I was so angry. She said, i Stormed out of the house. And she said, and that was a few days ago. She said, and I came to your training yesterday. She said, it made no sense. She said, it made no sense at all. And she said, but I went home last night. She said, and I sat down. And she said, I was... She said, I felt different. And she said, I got up and I walked down to my neighbor's house and I knocked on the door. And she said, the lady answered and she said, I apologized. She said, I'm sorry for shouting at you. I should not have spoken to you like that. And she said, with that, her husband came through. And she said, I apologized to him. She said, I'm sorry for calling you those names and pushing you. She said, I shouldn't have done that. She said, um, we are neighbors. She said, you will need me and I will need you. And she said, but I will take my phone back now. And she said, they went and, got their, they went and got her phone and they gave it to her. And she said, I will fix this. She said, I want to forget about this. And I'm looking at this girl I said, wow. I said, so you forgave somebody who stole your mobile phone. I said, uh, do you not feel like you mugged yourself? And she said, no, not at all. She said, I feel like the weight of the world has come off my shoulders. Ooh. And then I walked outside and Jenny was sat with a lady called Jill, who um, we stopped with out in South Africa. And this other lady had been on one of our trainings, came walking towards us and she, had a, she was crying her eyes out, bawling with tears. And I, I really liked this lady. And she said, uh, I said, are you all right? Love? And she said, no, she said, I'm not. I said, what's, what, what's wrong? And she said, I've just found out my brother-in-law's been shot dead. So what's happened? She said, Well, he's a taxi driver. He pulled up at the wrong ta- taxi rank. Somebody put a gun through the window and, and shot him. And it was then that I got reflective about this girl. And it was like that 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 single act of understanding, of kindness, of forgiveness in the township. That girl has made she's killed that scenario dead. There are no repercussions from that. There is no needing to sleep with a knife or a gun underneath a, a pillow. There's no uh, worry about are they going to come and burn down my house. Kyle is a, is the, one of the murder capitals of the world. Life, life is cheap out there. Like, and she doesn't have to dream up ideas of revenge and live in the live in the experience of hatred. She set herself free. She set herself free within her own mind, and it, it all came via understanding. Now, she says it made no sense, but this doesn't make sense to the intellect. No, it doesn't. This is the thing everybody's trying to do. They're trying to make sense of this with the intellect. It's, it's Forget it. It's the intellect that gets in the way. Mm. It's the intellect that creates the idea that we're not already it. It's the intellect that creates all the illusions of what we think we are, what we think this is, what we think we need to know. And that's the, that's the thing that gets in the way. This isn't an intellectual process. This comes before the intellect, and it cannot be seen with the intellect. Therefore, you cannot think yourself there. Therefore, you cannot rationalize it. But it exists at the heart of everything, everybody It creates the illusion of life. And when people start to wake up to it within themselves, they start to act in, they naturally find themselves, rather than being at the fear end of the spectrum where life is just terrible, they start to find themselves in the love end of the spectrum. And like I said earlier, there's never been a time I've experienced any form of fear when it hasn't been blamed on something. But I do experience love, which is unconditional which is why people would say, well, God is love. What is God? Well, God is the creator. What is the creator of reality? Well, it's thought. Not what we think, but the power of thought. Everybody fundamentally is God. That is the fundamental basis of everything. Is this what people call God? And God then comes with this massive label of a man and this, and no, it's a noise. It's a word. It's a noise. It's a a pointer. But everybody is source. Everybody is source of reality. Everybody is source of being. Everybody is source of life. That is what everybody fundamentally is. But as we think, as we go through life, we create concepts and ideas of what we think we are, what people tell us we are, which takes us away from being source, the illusion of takes us away from being source, to the illusion of, oh, no, we're this. I'm this kind of person. I'm that kind of person. They're that type of person. But this is the illusion that the Buddhists and Jesus Christ try to help people see Pastors, You know, wake up. Sid or say, wake up to your divinity. Wake up to this within yourself. You are it. Everybody's it. And when you see it,
0: you will know. Yeah, I had an experience of that when I was pregnant with my son. And I talk about it in my book, The Joy of Being, and... Um, I looked down at my belly and I was like, what's creating Leo inside of me? Cause I ain't yeah. going about my day and doing whatever. And this little one growing inside of me. And um, I remember thinking, Oh, he's God. And then my mind just went, Oh, real God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're all born the same way. We're all created in the same way. It's like, oh, oh, wow, we're all one. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was like one thing after the other. It was um, kind of, yeah, a bit of like a chain reaction. It's
2: beautiful, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it was really cool. That was really cool to see. I had to sit down for about 10 minutes. couldn't speak yeah. to anybody. It was like, wow. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool to see that we are... We are that. So Dave, thank you so much for taking us from something so personal, from Dave Anger to God. Um, It's all born from the same thing anyway. Um, So if somebody wants to get in contact with you um, or speak to you, reach out to you, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, I'm personally not on Facebook, um, but Freedom Thinking is, which is um, my partner Jenny and I. Um, Freedom Thinking is on Facebook. Jenny Anderson is on Facebook. Uh, But you can contact us on info at freedomthinking.co.uk. We've got a website as well, which is www.freedomthinking.co.uk.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dave. It was wonderful
2: to have you. You're welcome. So nice to see you.
0: And for anybody that's been listening in, hopefully you got as much out of it as I did. And until the next time, bye-bye for now. And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being.
1: And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at Marina or with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek.